Hey, dear listener, Anthony here. Before we hop into the show, I wanted to let you know about an incredible new resource we just released, The Five Rules of Investing. Dan and I are huge advocates of modeling the behaviors of the people who have done what you hope to do. And who better to model when it comes to investing than legendary investors like Warren Buffett, Howard Marks, and Ray Dalio? This free ebook breaks down the simple time-tested strategies of billionaire real estate investors that you can use to take your investing to the next level. So head over to InvictusMultifamily.com and grab your ebook today. All right, now let's hop into the show. Hello and welcome to Multifamily Investing Made Simple in Under 10 Minutes. This is the podcast where we take the complexity out of real estate investing so that you can get started today. And then we're going to reinsert that complexity once we're done. No, I'm just kidding. it's all pretty simple at the end of the day. My, and, the process. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now I've confused everybody. They're like, wait, what have I tuned into? <laughs> Don't go away. Stick around. Today, we're going to be talking about the difference between single family investing and multifamily investing. And yes, we are uh, multifamily investing made simple. So we are going to come out on the, the pro side of multifamily. Just want to get that out of the way. We're biased. But before we get to that, let me just let me just introduce ourselves to you, the listener, if you have no clue who we are. I am Anthony Vecino of Invictus Capital, joined as always by Dan, the author of Passive Investing Made Simple, Kruger. Always with That's right. names. It's George. It's pronounced George, actually. George, George. Oh, I, mis- I mistook that. Well, I wanted yes. to give you credit because you are officially, officially a, I'm just going to say it, you're a best-selling author at this point. Yep. Are we getting there? We're just checking the we we are on the cusp. We are on the cusp. By the time this episode launches, uh, I do believe we will have gotten you that best-selling Amazon author badge for the new book that we just published, Passive Investing Made Simple. Mm-hmm. Well, it it's feel? your uh, it's your blood, sweat, and tears that made this thing a good book. That's not. I cried a lot sure. on that thing. Yeah, it's actually kind of gross. Uh, but the copies that we're selling on Amazon have not been cried on by Anthony. These are fresh up the press. Yep. They're no tears. Clean. No now, if you do want some Anthony tears, you can text me or email me and I will put, I'll bottle them up for you and send them over. Now, if you want to make me cry, here's how you do it. You come to me and you say, Anthony, multifamily is stupid. Single family is where it's at. That will make me cry. Dan, tell them why. Uh, well, first, you're wrong. <laughs> Second, no, it's, I mean, we say this all the time. You're stupid. Like, I'm not listening to you no more. No, <laughs> you can make uh, there's. Real estate in general, whatever sector, whatever aspect, whatever um, type of property you're looking at, like you can do really well in pretty much any space. It's all about kind of finding uh, the right fit for your goals and, and your personality, finding out like what, what aspect of real estate you can actually enjoy, whether it's retail, hotels, um, just land, apartment buildings, or single family. Like there's no wrong way to do it, right? If you're um, if you enjoy it and it aligns with your your investing goals and your it's going to get you to your long term goals, then more power to you. But you know, for the sake of this episode, we wanted to explain exactly you know, what it is about the multifamily side of things that that we we prefer and why specifically over the, the single family uh, uh, asset class we we would like the multifamily better. And I think you know Anthony is especially uh, well suited to kind of speak to this because I skipped right to uh, the technical. Uh, multifamily uh, asset class 
which is basically anything above five units. I did that intentionally. I did my research and I decided this is the space I'm going to go into. Anthony took a, a more common approach where he uh, he didn't do single family per se, but he did uh, duplexes. Uh, I think a tri triplex. A yeah, yeah. Which so it, are, it's valued as a residential. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, and then from a valuation perspective, it, it's kind of the same thing. So we'll kind of unpack why why these things are different, why at five units things change, and, and what changes, and why we prefer the stuff over five. Yeah, the big thing to know there, and this is this is for me the biggest reason. I can speak to this personally as my first actively managed property was a triplex where I lived in one of the units. I took out an FHA loan, so I only house put hacking. like seven. Uh, what's that? House hacking. What is that? House hacking. Oh, I was house hacking. Yeah, before. Yeah, that's exactly what it was, and it was a it was fantastic. Honestly, great way to get into a property. Highly recommended if you're at that place in your life where you're okay living on site with your tenants and dealing with all that. It's a fantastic way to get started. What I didn't like when I looked at the long view of where I wanted to be as a real estate investor was the fact that the valuation was tied to comparables. So if you have a single family home or a property that's four units or under, they're valued on what are known as comparables. So whatever the guy next door sold his property for is roughly what yours is going to be worth. And so I didn't like that because it felt like some things could happen in that guy's life and he could be forced into a selling situation. He might not be running his asset very well. Maybe somebody died and he needed to free up some liquidity. And so maybe he sells his property at a steep discount. Well, now my property is now worth a little bit less because that guy sold his for less. I, don't, I, I hated that concept. Like I wanted to have control and know that the work I was putting into my property was going to be rewarded and it wasn't going to be affected by the whims of somebody else. And that's where multifamily is fundamentally different because our properties are valued based off of their income, just like a business, the more income, the more profit it generates, the better. And so if you can run your property really well and effectively with driving up revenues and decreasing expenses, then you can make your building more expensive and you don't have to lose sleep at night wondering, is Bill down the street going to sell his house for a hundred thousand less than market and hose me? <laughs> Stupid yeah. Bill. I mean, that's, that was, that was one of the biggest ones that stuck out to me when I went down the rabbit hole initially before I got into this business was the valuation aspect, which uh, in my opinion, reduces the risk profile substantially uh, because it puts more control into your hands. And um, Anthony and I are, well, we're control freaks, just going to be honest. But there's a lot of other aspects about it that, that uh, make it an appealing asset class relative to uh, single family homes or even duplexes, tries or, or quads. And that's um, the scalability of it. If you want to acquire, let's say, uh, 50 apartment units, right? You could do that in one transaction. You can buy one building that's got 50 units in it, or you can get a you know a 20 uh, unit complex and uh, another 30 unit complex, and that's two transactions. But if you want to get to that unit number via smaller properties under five units, you're going to do a lot more transactions. There's a lot more buyers you've got to go find, a lot more loans you've got to go get, uh, a lot more underwriting, uh, just a lot more roofs and things to worry about. And so the scalability is another aspect of it, and that's something that really attracted me to it. Is not only is this something that I could wrap my head around, it's a very simple business model, but it's scalable. And as I was coming out of my previous uh, entrepreneurial endeavor, which was a uh, you know, coaching and consulting business, the thing I kept 
uh, having issue with was this is great, but there's only one of me, and there's so many hours in the day. The scale, the scalability of that that endeavor I was in was was really bugging me, and so I, I instantly got turned on by the scalability of multifamily. Um, so that's another piece. Yeah, and um, something people will will look at there when they're newer, they'll say, "Well, it's scalable. You can get these bigger properties, but it's probably harder to go and buy a 50 unit than it is to buy a single family." And hmm. it might be a little bit harder, but it's not 50 times harder. Right. And, and the thing is, if you're going out there and trying to buy a bunch of single family homes, going back to how these things are valued in the funding model, when you go to the bank, you're going to have a really hard time getting more than 10 loans on these residential properties. So you're going to hit this upper ceiling really quickly and it's going to stymie how far and how easily you can grow. And tied into that scale is this other concept of stability. So as we get bigger, these properties become inherently more stable because in my triplex, one of the things I would lose sleep about is I was living in one of the units. So that means I had two tenants. So that means I, if, if somebody else was to move out, well, now I only have one tenant and that means I'm having to pay my rent and this other person's rent. And so I am inherently more volatile if somebody leaves. Now, if I have a hundred units and somebody leaves, well, I'm still 99% occupied. I'm still pulling in 99% of the revenue, which means that I'm probably going to be okay to cover my, my mortgage. Whereas if I lose a, a single tenant on that triplex, I'm having a hard time covering my mortgage. Yeah, and just to kind of double down on that point. For those of you who aren't uh, in this space yet, you might not realize this, but uh, statistically speaking, you're going to end up with a handful of crazy residents over the years, right? There's going to be those, just, yeah. those, those, those freak scenarios where someone pops up and it's just a nightmare. And if you have a duplex and that's one of your units, uh, you're screwed. Okay. Your whole year is probably down the toilet, Bummer. right? But to Anthony's point, if you've got a hundred unit building, you know, that guy might be wreaking havoc and causing you stress, but from an operations perspective, from a cash flow perspective, it's not really going to destroy your, uh, uh, your cash flow. So, uh, that's another piece there. And then on the debt piece, just kind of want to, uh, give a little bit more color to that. Um, the, uh, the you know the debt limit that Anthony mentioned like there's there's a limit to how 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 much lenders are going to give you for these types of products typically unless you go to a specific type of lender but in addition to that there's also you're effectively going to be going through the process of, of getting a loan just like if you were getting a house that you're going to live in and so I think most people can relate to that it's a very long grueling process uh, the bank is going to take a very deep look into your financial situation and they're going to look at you and, and and try to figure out if you can afford this house even if you're buying it for the purpose of being a rental they're going to look at you Anthony what's your income can you afford this mortgage Whereas if you're going and buy an apartment building, what you're buying is a business. And so the bank is going to look at that business and say, can this business afford to pay for itself? Which is great. Um, you know, they're still going to look at the operator and make sure that they know what they're doing. They've got a track record and they've got some cash in the bank if things go wrong. But they're not going to be sitting there looking at you trying to figure out if you can afford this because it's a self-funding business, which is uh, huge. And then one, one last little tidbit is just the logistical inefficiencies of having a bunch of houses all over the place from a management perspective, whether it's you doing it or third party or your in-house employees, it's not as efficient to manage a hundred houses as it is to manage a uh, hundred apartment units across a couple of buildings. So mm -hmm. I think that kind of summarizes. Uh, that hits a lot of the big ones. Right yeah, we might've missed some, but we're running up on our 10 minutes. We might be over. I don't know. So that's going to, that's going to do it for us. So the big reason, let's take this from the top, that we like multifamily is 
valuation, stability, scale, logistics, and the funding. That for us, those are five really good reasons to stick with multifamily. And so, like Dan mentioned at the beginning of the show, we're not poo-pooing single family homes by any means. There's tons of ways to make money in real estate. Find the one that works for you and your personality. Have a hoot. We hope you enjoyed it. We'll see you next week. Hey, thanks for joining us for another episode of Multifamily Investing Made Simple. If you enjoyed the show, could you do us a massive favor? Head over to iTunes and leave a five-star rating and review. Your feedback, it means the world to us as it helps us grow and spread the word about multifamily investing. And don't forget, sharing is caring. So fire this episode over to any friends or family who you think could benefit from learning all about multifamily investing. Thanks, guys. We appreciate every single one of you, and we'll see you on the next show.